Hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural Always Aggressive Boilermaker Wrestling Podcast. Your host, Hunter Massengill, as always. A couple new faces on the podcast this year and a new uh, format that we're using for this this season. Instead of on Facebook Live, we'll be doing this in podcast form, which will have a video aspect to it later on in the season, but for now... Uh, just in the podcast world, we have, of course, head coach Tony Ursland, joined by new director of ops and SID, Tanner Lipset, and then our Boilermaker wrestling historian and producer, Corey Palm, uh, behind the scenes. So, first off, coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's, it's another year. It's upon us, right? The season starts tomorrow, officially. You know, our journey started a long time ago, but it's just great to to officially start your season and, and have everything you've worked so hard for kind of be right in front of your face now. So it's it's an awesome feeling that we're, we're starting a, uh, another year once again, and uh, I think our guys are ready to, to run hard. Tanner, doing good today? Yeah, man, I'm so excited to be back with wrestling. Uh, you know, took, took a nice trip with them, fell in love with it. Uh, it's my first seven years at Purdue, and uh, when Coach asked me to, to come back and learn some new stuff, um, I jumped at the opportunity, so it's uh, it's awesome to be back, and it's you know we've gotten to gotten to talk with a lot of the old alumni and and some of the guys that wrestled here when uh, when I when I made my first go around with them, and uh, it's been it's been pretty cool so far. So I'm I'm really excited to be back. So going to be similar content, uh, hopefully a little bit more conversational uh, in podcast form, but we'll see how it goes as the season progresses. Uh, to start off with. We had a lot of things change uh, coming into this season. A lot of new faces, a lot of people making changes. So before we get into anything, how was the off season in terms of uh, your recruiting trips and, and so forth going into this season? Yeah, recruiting is always busy, right? Recruiting never stops. <laughs> um, never. Yeah, we laugh because it just it doesn't stop, you know. And with the uh, advent of us being able to bring juniors on official visits now, you know that has really sped up timelines for for decision making and things like that. So it's changed, you know, how you approach the recruiting cycle. Uh, we're out there, we're very active, but if anything, you've got to identify kids sooner and and get get the offers out to them earlier so that they can make decisions. If you don't, you're probably going to get left out. Um, it's not always a good thing. I think each kid has and, and family. Um, has to decide what's best for them, you know what I mean? And so that timeline, it, it isn't that you have to make a decision right away, but you really have to, to know what you're looking for, what that fit is, and maybe identify that sooner uh, than people have in the past. And so, uh, you know, like anything, we've had to adjust and, and, uh, and get on kids a little sooner and get money in their hands and have them on campus earlier. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a welcome change, though. It's, it's, you know, keeps it fresh and, and moving. It's always, it's always going. It's uh, it's really interesting, you know, having spent time with basketball in the past and how their, how their timelines have, have changed and, and that, that like Tony said, the the addition of being able to start having kids on campus when they're juniors, it's amazing how how quickly that timeline has accelerated nationally. You know that that class of twenty twenty one big board used to be kind of an afterthought, mm -hmm. um, or you know, like whatever that uh, that junior class is. Um, it's been more of an afterthought, but it's crazy how over the last few weeks we've seen so many kids across the country um, commit. And, uh, you know, we even got a surprise commit um, pretty quickly. Uh, I didn't, I, I don't know if Coach, I don't know if you knew we were that far along in the process or. Uh, yeah. No, well, but but it, it happened, it happened quick. It was really exciting for us. Well, we're thrilled about it, but it was, um, it, it's, it's amazing what a change it's brought to the world 
as quickly as you know as, as it just happened. Yeah, the, the days of necessarily taking five official visits and sitting down and, and deciding what you want to do are done. I think kids more than ever, um, if they find the right fit, they you know they they are ready to go, and and you got to recognize that. And so um, you've got to understand early in the process with each young man what what it is they're looking for and what that timeline is going to be, and then work with them on it. You know, uh, certainly for our our part, you know, we're not a, a high pressure deal. You know, I mean, you want kids to be here because they love it they feel like they're supported and it's going to be a great experience for them and we still want that but you've you've got to show them where that fit is sooner you know if anything you've got to be more efficient because you may not have the time um, that that people have had in the past sure and not to get too tangential but i suppose that's what we do here on podcast is get a little bit tangential on on in podcast form i don't even know what tangential means that's a great word Going off on a tangent. We're going off on a tangent. There we go. So there we, we're, hey, we're wrestlers. We get thrown on our head a lot here. So, you, you know, you, you got to keep it simple for me here. I don't want to guess what your next question might be, Hunter. For In, in the recruiting world, especially uh, when it comes to wrestling, you see this a lot in, in other sports, but wrestling uh, is a big deal because weight matters so much. Mm-hmm. You're recruiting kids, you know, freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Yeah. Corey and I were talking about this. And he said, you, you two were talking about it a little bit, is not only do you have to look and see what a guy's talent level is, but you kind of have to project what that, get, that kid's talent level is going to be because someone may be, you know, 120, 130 pounds, their freshman, sophomore year, and by the time they're a senior, they could be 170 pounder, you know. So yeah. being able to project and know we've got to get on this kid, we, we need to know, we need to figure out what his outlook looks like yep. for what he can bring to our team when he graduates high school. Well, it's not even like it's foot like in football. Like a guy's not going to go from being like a defensive lineman to a quarterback. Yeah. Or basketball. You know, you're not going to magically transform from being a point guard to a center or whatnot. Like positions stay fairly similar across other sports. Whereas, like you know, like you mm-hmm. said, like we're recruiting to try and fit a class. And like if if a kid's a 25 pounder and all of a sudden he's a 74 pounder. <laughs> That's a problem, right? That ain't the he ate a lot of cake, yeah. <laughs> well, and the same thing, and, you know, and, and that's the old problem, right? We joke that you're tired of recruiting 125 pounders that are 141s, mm-hmm. and that's that is something that you have to identify. That's why you know the, those lifer at 125s are so coveted because you know it's rare that you know where a kid's going to be. But but from our standpoint, we try to slot you in within a couple weight classes. You know, I don't try to pigeonhole a young man into you're just this, maybe just a 125. It's you maybe you're a 133 and a 141, and, and you know it's funny you're looking at the parents a lot too, right? You're trying to figure out maybe where they're going to go in the future. So it, it is, it's an interesting uh, mix. You know, you've kind of got to kind of do your best to gauge where they're going to be by where their parents are, you know, how much have they grown and what weight classes have they moved from? You know, if you see a kid making those big weight jumps, you know, it, you know you've got to be aware that they could make another growth spurt. I mean, you go back to, I think it was Zahid Valencia, uh, when so he was, was in high school, it made huge jumps. I think one year he might have been at uh, you know 126, 132 range, and then he came out and was all of a sudden at 170. Mm-hmm. So he bypassed several weights, and so yeah, David that, Taylor was the same way, right? Yeah, David Taylor, you know, um, really kind of grew and developed. So um, 
trying to do your best, you know, it's, is, is, is the key. You know, you, like I said, you don't want to pigeonhole a kid into a, a, just a single weight if he hits a growth spurt, but certainly you're trying to figure out your lineup. And so you're trying to slot those guys in a few years in advance now. And so you're doing your best to project where they're going to be. And, and uh, generally you can tell, but yeah. there is that odd kid here and there that will take huge jumps on you. And then you've just got to, you've got to figure it out. Well, that's what I was going to ask is how, what, what you think or what you feel as though your success rate is with those, with that projection to be able to see a kid that's 126 pounder, 132 pounder uh, in high school. You're thinking, okay, this kid's going to put on 10 pounds. He's going to put on 20 pounds and then he just doesn't but he's got an offer, you still really like his talent, mm -hmm. but maybe you've got a guy that you like a lot at the 125 spot, and you've got to figure out how to work this guy in, maybe get him here and put some weight on him mm -hmm. if you can. Yep. No, I mean, and that's where your resources come into play. And we have great, tremendous resources here. You know, that's where we have Elaine, who's our dietitian, and, and Ryan, our strength coach. I mean, the, what they can do anymore with athletes and their bodies is amazing, right? And it's all about creating a better athlete when they're here. And so that's part of it. So, you know, it's not like they're coming in boys. I mean, let's face it, they're, they're young men. They're not men yet. And so what you can do and how they're going to grow and develop is significant. And so that's why I feel like it's, it's not the end all be all, but you do your best because you are going to try to slot that money in. You don't want to have too much invested in one weight class because then it's going to hurt you somewhere else. You only so, got 9.9. .9. Yeah. I mean, with only 9.9 .9 there, you've got to break it up the best you can. And, and so you, you allow, you know, you allow for kids to grow and develop. Understand, they're gonna grow. They're gonna grow at some point, right? They're gonna get bigger, they're gonna get thicker. And that's how you end up with so many kids redshirting their freshman years because they get here and there's just, a, there's more development that they have to go through to be ready to go at this level. Very few kids, uh, I mean, we got Max Lyon, who's, mm -hmm. who started as a true freshman, but very few kids Brilliant. come here and are ready. It takes yeah. a year of, with those, like your strength conditioning, with a dietitian, uh, et cetera, et cetera, of people to get them here and, you know, you wrestled in high school, you may have, you may have the, the know-how or the ability uh, to get to where you've gotten so far, but it's a large jump between yep. that senior year and when you step on the mat, especially in the Big Ten. There's no doubt. It, it, it's a significant jump. Kids are more ready than ever, though. I, I, for, you know, you bring up an interesting point on, on red shirting, and I don't have a blanket policy on that. I think it's specific to each young man because sometimes there's that physical development, which you kind of just referenced, that you want to make sure, hey, they're ready. It's, you know, when you're, there's a big difference between when you're a 17-year-old, you know, and you're wrestling a 23- or 24-year-old, <laughs> which is obviously very possible. That's a man and a boy. So there's some physical development there. Sometimes it's academic, you know, just that transition. There's another big step up and so that young man needs a year to get his feet underneath him academically to be ready. Some guys are just ready though you know you, I mean how many guys have we seen you know that come out you know and they've been on world teams and they've traveled and they've faced elite competition and so they're ready they are unfazed. That's uh, more commonplace now than it ever was before and so I don't I don't just have a blanket policy you know um, obviously it is a it is a group decision, right? There's, you know, my staff and I, and then the young man, you know, are all going to sit down and, and come up with the plan about how he fits into this. And, and if he's ready, then, then, hey, we'll go. Yeah. Why is it that it's happening more now than ever? Is it, is it more specialization? Is it more uh, like a specific a good question. Uh, yeah. training geared just towards the sport? I think some of it is that, right? Um, and, and, you know, I, I love multi-sports athletes, so I don't want to, you know, discourage anybody out there who's playing football and wrestling and doing other things. That's awesome. I, I love that. We love multi-sport athletes. I think that keeps your ceiling very high. But to your point, kids 
um, the level that they're involved in the sport now is greater than ever. And the opportunities to train with um, elite coaches or in that environment is higher than ever. Uh, you have USA Wrestling that has invested more in those kids, be, getting them on the world team sooner and having those training camps, inviting those kids into those developmental camps, they'll call them, right? That's a big deal. Uh, the, the advent RTC, of the, the RTCs, RTC yeah, I was everything. just going to say. The advent of the RTC, giving those young kids access uh, you know, to RTC coaches, college coaches, has created that environment. And you're seeing the, the payoff now. I, I'm not going to say that the RTC is solely responsible for those results, um, but it's created a situation where kids are exposed to those situations sooner than ever. And, and so you say, hey, when he comes in, he's not really a true freshman necessarily. You know, he's been wrestling um, very good competition since, you know, for the last three or four years possibly. For sure. And so, yeah, I think that, that plays into it and why you see more kids ready to go sooner. Although certainly redshirting is still you know, commonplace in our sport. Gotta learn how to get off bottom. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. And it's gotta be not only a physical step that these, that these guys have to take, but you just mentioned about how some guys go and compete internationally, they're competing in these RTC programs where they may have personal trainer coaches that are watching after them. Mm -hmm. And you have to take these kids that not only are getting recruited, um, but take them from what they are, maybe competing on their own internationally and turn them into as part of a team. You have to get them here and you know maybe you're recruiting a one seven, someone to be at 174 and you've got someone like Dylan Lighty in the spot that has earned that spot and he's coming in as a really good wrestler and he may be you know a state champion at the high school level but he's got to come in and fill in a spot and be a part of a team when he mm -hmm. gets here. Now listen um you know, largely we are identified as a, an individual sport, which I get. When you go out, there's nobody there. That's the beauty of the sport, right? Nobody's going to help you. It's, it's you and him, and somebody's going to, they're going to settle it, you know, as they come off. But um, I love team guys, guys who will be invested in the team. That is still very important to us because that goes to your culture, and I think culture drives everything. You know, you want really competitive guys, guys who want to achieve at a high level. That is super important. That's part of what we look for and identify in our kids. But that team guy who, you know, is in it for more than just himself, they'll drive your culture and they'll pull those kids with him. You know what I mean? So we, I th and I think here at Purdue, we have a tremendous culture. We have kids who get that and they're striving certainly for those individual accolades, but uh, they, they care about the team. They want to bring guys with them. They want to do something special for the first time, right? I mean, that's, that's our goal. You know, I, I don't want a bunch of, I don't want another cog in the wheel. I, I want that kid who wants to do something special for the first time. So call it a trailblazer or whatever you want. That's what we're looking for. Uh, you know, we want those guys who want to, they want to bring a national title to Purdue for the first time, a team title. Sure. You know, so th those, that's still a big deal for us. It, it drives your culture and, and who you are, um, your identity as a team. So we, we look for that a lot. That's a, that's a very important aspect still in, in the kids that you want to recruit, in my opinion. And while it is, I mean, technically a team sport, there's team scoring. That's how you win, win duels. That's how you win Big Tens. That's how you win <laughs> nationals. Uh, it's so individual. It was always one of my favorite things, wrestling in high school, which was a long time ago now. Uh, is What's high some longer than others for yeah. some of us at this yeah, table. Actually, the least amount of time of this room since <laughs> being out of high school. But Th still thanks feels, for the reminder. Hunter. We, we, we all appreciate, appreciate it. That. Still feels like a long time ago. One of my favorite things, and I always tried to explain to people, was when you're wrestling, when you're competing in other sports, you go out and you can say when you win a game, your team is better than their team. Mm -hmm. Wrestling, like few other sports, I suppose swimming and diving would be would be similar. Uh, maybe golf would be similar. 
uh, but it's so individual that you go out there on the mat and you can say, I am better than that person. I'm going to go out here and not only am I, I don't, I'm not trying to be better than Rutgers. I'm trying to be better than this kid. I'm not trying to be better than Iowa. I'm trying to be better than this person that's stepping on the mountain front in front of me. And I think I would assume that's the drive for most of the kids that are on on the team is they have that drive that they can go out and they step on the mat and one of us is going to leave here the victor. And even mm-hmm. though my team may lose, that I step out here and I did my job and I took care of business. Yeah, and listen, there's a lot of pride in that, right? There's a there's a huge sense of pride and fulfillment when you can do that. And, and I always tell our guys too, you can change another man's life. You know, his perspective can be completely different after a match. I mean, you go back and you watch some of the more dominant kids, and you know, it's a very personal thing. Like you you can get your butt whooped, you know, and it, on a very physical and personal level. And so coming off you may f- have felt one way and you're feeling a completely different way, right? I mean, anybody who's competed has gone through that. And so I think that's important for our guys to know, like, man, hey, that, that's why you train to be the storm, right? Like, you don't, you don't want to get caught in a storm and be on your heels and not know what that feels like. And that's what your training is all about. I mean, we've spent the entire preseason about trying to put kids in adverse and tough situations or, you know, be in the storm so that you, you're not just trying to survive, you, you will thrive. And that's a, that's a big deal that you've got to put yourself there all the time. So when it's time to compete, you are the storm. You're not the guy on your heels trying to figure it out in the right. middle because it's too late. You know, it's too late. And, and I think that's, that's a huge part of what you're talking about. You know, when I go out there, I want to be the storm. I want to create the pressure. I want to score the points. If I take the fight to him, he's, you know, he's, he's just trying to survive. Now we have them where we want them, you know. And that lends itself to how mental the sport is because I would, I would think that you would agree that there's a solid percentage of matches that are decided before it starts. A kid walks out there and he's going We call that winning at the weigh-in, just so yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This could be over with some – great competitors don't let that happen. Right. I want to cl- clarify that. Right. But you can absolutely win at the weigh-in. Yeah, because you, you, see, you see who you're going to wrestle – or you, you do too much looking into their film or too much into their stats and you go up against someone who's, who's very good, they've earned the spot, they've earned the, the, the spot in that uh, lineup and before the match even starts, it's, you know, you're already down. You're already down points, you're already down, uh, you've already lost and that's something that I'm sure that you have to, you have to be able to see as a recruiter too to see in those kids at the high school level that they're mentally going into the match on a, on a level playing field, that they're, they are just as good as who they're about to face. There's no doubt mental toughness is a huge part, right? I mean, when you get to the Big Ten, everybody's talented. Everybody has won, you know, on a certain level. And, and you want tough-minded competitors, gritty, tough guys who will win those tough situations, right? And in every tough match, there's there's that moment where, any competition, I guess, right? Take two competitive teams. There's always those moments where if you win those moments, it sends the match your way. It sends the game your way. And you are looking for kids and how they respond. Not that you win everything, right? Mistakes are made. And if you're not risking something to gain something, you're you're not going to go very far. But it's how do you respond in those tough moments? Did you compete well? Did you compete? 
compete hard? You know, even if you screwed up, maybe lost the point, did you come back tougher the next time? And that's what you look for. You, you, I love kids who string things together, you know, tough matches together when I say that. You know, you, you go to Fargo to see a kid wrestle five, six matches in a row, and how does he respond? Super 32. Super 32 coming <clears throat> up this weekend, right? Big event. You're going to have hundreds of kids in a bracket, over 100 kids in a bracket. How do they handle that? You know, it's not just the winner. You know, how did he respond to a bad call? You know, did he get up and fight through it and find a way to get it done? You know, if he found himself on the back side of the bracket early, did he throw in the towel or did he, did he put five, five uh, matches together to get back on the podium for third? Because that's how your team's going to go. Sure. You know, you know, national titles aren't just won because you have five national titles, right? I mean, it's those kids coming through the backside to get on the podium. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's going to be where sometimes you're going to win your, your NCAA trophies. So you need those guys. And once again, we talk about team. Those guys that have a sense of for the team, right? Like, I may have just lost a national title, but you get your butt up and you fight through that bracket. Uh, one, you know, so you, you, you have a little pride in yourself. And two, you help your team still get those points that can get you a trophy. Big that, difference between seventh and third. Big, big difference. Big difference between even third and fifth. Like, you know, yep. those and extra points are huge. Big. So, that, so you watch for those things. Certainly, you got to have talent to wrestle in this league. You've got to have talent. That's just—I get it. But you're going to be separated out by your mentality and your work ethic. And it's telling telling the guys on the roster that you can only help the team by being on the mat. You go out there and you have to you have to compete and you have to get into these spots where you know, uh, which we'll talk about in this we'll talk about in a second. But Lighty in nationals last year, who lost his first match but went into wrestlebacks and fought his way back. Uh, who ended up, you know, losing to Labriola, who was who got sixth in at 174. Um, but even if you lose that first match, you're, you get into wrestlebacks, you get into the losers bracket, you're still helping your team down there. You're still you're still helping your team get to those points. To Tanner's point of there's such a big difference between fifth and third. There's a difference between seventh and third. It's not all about winning a national title. No doubt. I mean. You know, there's only going to be ten guys walking out Saturday night at NCAA's that got what they truly wanted, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you fight for it, you claw for it. That's that's you know that's what you you stay focused on. But yeah, I mean, once you're on the backside, you've got to you've got to get what you can get. You know, I was always told that growing up, get what you can get, right? If 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 you're still on the front side, hey man, the goal is to get first. You get to the backside, get third. If yep. you can't get third, get fifth, right? Get what you can get. That's that's a big deal, you know. Um, and it's hard, right? That's, that's where, you know, like I said, pride and coaching and, and those things, your team come into play because, you know, when you lose and your goal was a national title and that's what you train for and that's what you focus on, coming back through is hard, but, but we've got to do it. Yep. We've got to do it. It's, it's key. So we'll go around the room here uh, in our inaugural episode of the Always Aggressive Podcast. We'll go around the room uh, to talk about what each of us are excited about. I'll pose it to you, coaches, uh, what you're most interested to see, because I'm sure you're excited about the whole roster. Yeah. Uh, so for me, what's mo- what I'm most excited about is the 174 spot. We talked about Dylan Lighty just uh, a moment ago, but he's been a leader for you know a while. That's not some, that's not a new position he's stepping into as being a leader of this team. However, he's going into his redshirt senior season. This is it. This is. I mean, he's been preparing. He's he. Made some waves at nationals last year. This is it for like he's got he's going to go out there and l- literally leave it all on the mat because this is going to be his last go round at it. Yep. Uh, what are some of your thoughts of of what your expectations are for Dylan Lighty this year? 
I mean, listen, uh, Lighty's been there for, for four years. He's been in a round of 12 a couple times, a couple heartbreakers. I know he does he does everything right. Um, I, I expect him to compete for a national title. I mean, that's just what I expect out of him. He's got, he's got the physical capabilities. He's got the technical capabilities. Um, you know, we've got to put five matches together at nationals to do it. And, uh, and uh, that self-belief, him knowing that he can do it is going to be a huge part part of it, right? I mean, he's going to work hard. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's going to compete hard. Um, him, maybe giving him from a technical standpoint, you say he needs to give himself a few more looks at points, right? That's, you know, when you lose on riding time. I think it was five seconds, give or take a second or two don't, there, right? Don't talk That's about the it. slimmest of margins, right? Yeah, yeah I, you know, it's too soon, right? I don't want to, too soon. Too soon yeah, for right? Yeah. Too soon for Dylan, ah, yeah. right? But that's, that's the slimmest of margins. And the thing is, he can score. So I don't want to let it come down to, to five seconds of routing time for him. I want him to take that in his, his own hands. I want him to go score five, six, eight, ten, whatever he can get. Like, you know, let's get what you can get. Mm -hmm. And so from a technical technical standpoint, it's probably, yeah, uh, increasing his attack rate, right? There's some things there. But but that's mentality, that's belief, doing it, you know what I mean? And so um, I, I know he believes it. You know, we, everyone on my staff believes it. So, um, you know, our goal is to, uh, to get him to the end of the year um, healthy and right. You know, he's, being healthy for a lot of guys is, can be part of it, you know. So, uh, but that's for him. I'm excited just to get him to nationals. Um, we're not overlooking the year. There's a, there's a long road, and you've got to be in, in every match, you know, from a mentality. But, but I know that he's capable, and, you know, I'm excited to watch him take another crack at it. Yeah. Dylan's getting the right amount. Dylan's getting the right amount of preseason hype, too. You know, he's gotten number eight preseason by the Open Mat, number 10 from Win Magazine, number 12 from Flow. You know, we're still waiting on a few of these other preseason polls to come out. But, um, you know, you said it, Hunter. He's right there, and he's, <clears throat> he's you know, this is, this is it for him. I think he's going to make a... I think he's going to make a heck of a run at it. And I think he knows it, too. Like, he knows that this is this is it. He knows that he's been on the cusp for the last year or two. That it's, I don't think it's a it's a mental thing. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what, what the answer is. And uh, we'll see as the season goes on. But I think he's got all the pieces. I think he, he's got, he knows he's capable and he knows he's mentally capable. He knows he's right there on the cusp. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what it's going to take. Maybe there's, maybe he'll win a big match. Uh, in the next couple months that, that really pushes him over the edge and proves to himself that he has what it takes to go win a Big Ten title, to go win a national title. Another thing, like you said, Coach, you don't want to look past the year. Every match is so important when you're coming in with love because there's a huge difference between being seated 11th and being seated 6th. Mm -hmm. When you're coming through the through the bracket, or sure. you know, a seven seed versus a three seed versus a unseeded seeding matters. Every match matters. Yeah, you know, and and it's the way you qualify for nationals. Uh, we won't go into that today. Maybe that's another. <laughs> maybe that's another podcast. Yeah, that's like another show that, that might be another. Yes, that might be save another, that for February. That might be two shows. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but. Every match is important. You know, we tell our guys, none is special, right? You don't want to make it more than it is, but everyone's important. So if you're going to put your foot on the line, you're out there, you're all in. Okay, let's be committed and, and let's go, right? Be, be there. You know, there's, there's two parts that have to happen if you're going to win. You've got to give everything you have daily. And I feel really good about our kids doing that. With what we've seen early this fall, they've, they've given us everything and they've made some really good gains. But you still, the day of competition, you got to put your foot on the line and you still got to be all in. Whether mental, physical, or whatever it is, you can't hold back. 
You can't be careful. You can't just try to win. You know what I mean? That doesn't give you your best chance. So it, balancing those two out where every day it's 100% and then the day of, after you made weight, Put your foot, you got to be all in. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get two of those, both of those, you know, you're, you're not going to find yourself on the right side of that decision or, or whatever. So it's it's understanding, hey, man, even though it's start of the year, November 2nd, we're going to be at Michigan State. You got to be all in. That match is just going to be just as important uh, as the one at the end of the year um, because we're looking for consistency. Yeah. You know, we've had great performances. If you look, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about guys more, but and we got six national qualifiers coming back, and they've all won matches at nationals. They're all ranked at their weight class. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the consistency of stringing those matches together, being tough for three days so that you're an All-American, you're a national champ, whatever. That's going to be the key for us. And so they've got to start, they've got to start November 2nd uh, or whenever their first opportunity is. And you've got to be gritty, tough in the moment and, and you know, do your thing. And, that, and then it doesn't change from, from November to March. Yeah, Corey made a good point as far as you got to put yourself in the best, you know, obviously you got to get there, you got to do all that, but like you have to put yourself in the best possible situation to succeed once you get there. And a lot of that comes with the seeding and that national perspective of like what you did all season. And, you know, you don't have that hinky loss at the Michigan State Open in November. You know, you don't have some goofy loss at, at Midlands in December that you shouldn't have on your record. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's about showing it all season to get there and so that when you get there, so you are the six instead of the 11 and, and you get that better you get that better path you get that better opportunity and there's a whole bunch of mental stuff that goes with that too when those kids see that nice little that nice low number next to their name when they're going into something they it just triggers something different with different kids well that goes back to what we were just talking about with winning a match before or losing a match before you even yeah. get out there is when you go out there you know you get that third seed you get that fourth seed you get that one seed you go out there and before the match even starts, you feel like you've got a you've got a leg up on the person that you're 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 gonna face off against. Listen, I mean, there is there's no doubt you can make arguments for paths to NCAA titles. But I guess the one thing I, I do want to make sure is um, it shouldn't matter to to kids, right? Like you should know that this is my match regardless, right? The work you've done, the 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 way you live your life, the the mentality that you bring. Um, just understand that that you're the guy. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I've got guys, young guys, and, and I, we'll talk about them, I'm sure, too. But i got young guys that have registered that I, I know they're going to be a handful. Mm-hmm. People just don't know it yet, right? So while we can all talk about, yes, seating is important, it, it, can, it can have an effect, right? It can. You know, it would be silly to deny it. But, I mean, I, we got young guys that, man, I'm, they're going to be a handful for people. Yep. And they don't have a seat. Now, they might by the end of the year, but all you fight for, honestly you fight for the consistency. Just show me that from day one, that you're a great competitor, that you're gonna score points, you're gonna get after people, that you're not gonna to try to take the easy road. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, and then the good things come. They go hand in hand, Sure. but it's not, well, if we show up and we didn't get the seed we want at nationals, you know, we can't win. That's not, every year you see guys run through the bracket and, and all they're focused on is the next guy in front of them. You just, your job is to show up ready to go. And that's what we want our kids to pay attention to. You know, being in the moment, being mentally ready, being, you know, go execute. Do what you've trained to do. Uh, and, that's, and that's, the rest will come. You know what I mean? Um, let, let you guys worry about the numbers, right? Let, you know, you guys, you know, Tanner's going to promote the guys and, you know, talk about that. And, and that's, that's great. I, I want our kids to focus on the work at hand. And then the good things come. I'll throw it right back to Tanner. Uh, 
Mine's Dylan Lighty, 174. What are you most excited about for this? Yeah, um, I am really excited to see Griffin Perry at 149. I tell you what, um, the kid looks great. He's killing it in preseason workouts. Um, and to tell people at home, uh, making the shift from 157 down to 149. Sure, uh, yeah. As far as the coaching staff is concerned and insurance he is concerned, that's the better weight, weight class for him. He, um, he seems like he's all in. And it, it looks like his body and his performance is recognizing, you know, that that commitment and that that uh, that move. He's bought into the health, you know. He's bought into the eating. He's uh, training hard. I mean, coach sent him on an impromptu three mile loop the other day around. Uh, you out, did that this out. morning, didn't you, Hunter? Yeah, before you get your three yeah. miles in, right? Yeah, I got my okay, three miles good in. man. Yeah, it's a good move. Um, and sure enough, first guy across the line was Griffin Perriott, um, trucking too. He wasn't he wasn't cruising across the line. He was moving, um, and so I'm I'm thrilled to see what he can do with that weight. I think it's a crazy wide open weight this year. You know, the the top three guys in nationals last year all graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some there's some hot new freshmen across the country that are going to come into that weight that 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 are going to be really good, obviously. But you know, still like like Coach said earlier, you know. A big difference between 18 and 21 or 22. Yeah. And one thing that we uh, talked about with Griffin Perriott a lot last year was he he swings for the home run ball a lot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He goes out and he wants he wants to throw guys around. He wants to take those big swings, and it gets him into a lot of bad situations. But he also wins a lot of matches that way either, or as well. So moving down to the one the 149 spot, do you think uh, – you know, this offseason working with him, maybe trying to pull the reins back on that a little bit, or at the 149 spot, he may be able to get away with some of that stuff a little bit more? Well, I mean, listen, uh, part of Griffin's style is he's a physical kid, and I do think moving down to 49, he's going to be a big, strong physical kid, so it'll help him be physical. But I think, you know, what Tanner talked to the most uh, that I'm excited about is the discipline that we've seen. You know, the discipline is in his diet and his eating habits, and then even his training, what he's done cardio-wise, you know, what he's done with his body what he's had to do to, to get down to 149. He's done it the right way, and he looks really good. Uh, I think along with it, it just it cultivates your mentality. You know, when daily you're living the lifestyle, uh, I think that's that's what's resonated the most and has us probably excited for Griffin. Um, you know, he's still, yes, he's, he's dangerous, right? He is a dangerous wrestler. He's, yep. got, he's got stuff from a lot <laughs> of different places, and we enjoy that about Griffin. But, hey, you know, sometimes you just you got to take the two points. Right, and 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 he and he he's growing into that. Like at nationals last year, in the Missouri match, uh, you know he rode that kid I think for three and a half minutes or thereabouts. You know he 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 wrestled a, a very hard controlled match. He he rode that kid to death, and that and that needed to happen in that moment. Right, he he was very solid and strong in that moment. So uh, you know I see I see there's there's lots of things. I just we're very excited because the things that matter the most. The mentality, the lifestyle, the way you train and live, those are big changes that he's made where he, you can tell he's all in on that weight class. He's not trying to do it with smoke and mirrors. He's, there's a lot of substance behind the changes he's made. And you know, with his talent and the work he's done, I think it's, it, he, you know, people are going to see it. And hats off to Elaine on that as well. Another, another nod at her. She's, uh, she's worked really closely with Griffin, and I think she's 
she's been responsible for a lot of the buy-in there. No, we're, we're very fortunate to have great people here, and Elaine is a huge part of that. You know, we were out at Core Life Eatery last night as a team, just kind of outing because, you know, we're, we're starting our season tomorrow, and um, she, she does such a good job with the guys, getting them to understand what's important and how to make good choices and maybe still keep variety in your life, you know. I think when I was in college, I ate enough chicken breast just because that's the only thing I knew maybe, you know, and it got stale and it got old and it kills your diet. And she's, she's really good about giving the guys options or try this or do this, you know, and so that they can stay within the boundaries of what they need to do to still come down and make weight but feel good. So uh, she's been a huge addition. I just feel very blessed that we, the people around the program do a great job for our kids. Amal was singing her praises yesterday at the, at the photo shoot. He was talking about how, was he? how awesome she is. Yeah, yeah. He's, and obviously he leans on her a ton. But He does. Um, and for people who don't know at home, at, uh, at home, Elaine Wanstreet, the dietitian, not nutritionist, dietitian. That's right. They, they'll get mad at you. They will. Those are fighting I, words oh, now, so be careful. I know. I've slipped up uh, talking to her about it before, but team dietitian uh, will definitely have her on the podcast at some point. Uh, I know the last two years that we've done the coaches show, it's always been a big hit to have her on around the Thanksgiving and Christmas time when they're tempted to go home and eat yep. whatever is put in front of them by, by grandma at home. Mm-hmm. Dangerous this year because we don't compete that week, too. We've got to be careful. Man, you made that schedule, Tanner. <laughs> so, Corey, uh, what's got you excited for the 2019 uh, a, a couple guys that uh, I think, Tony, you've already kind of alluded to. I'm, I'm looking forward to those those new cats in the middle weights. Mm-hmm. Kendall Coleman, Abel Sondland. Uh, I can't wait to see. We've been hearing about them. Yep. We've been uh, looking forward to seeing them get out there and compete for a couple of years now since they committed, and uh, now's the time. Yeah, no, I, we have um, three guys that I'll mention here that I'll give some love to because they, they, they're, they're doing well. Obviously, one is Kendall Coleman, who looks to be the favorite um, for our lineup at 157. This is crazy that he's at 57. <laughs> he's kids growing like a weed. We go yeah, back to projecting. Right. We thought he might be a 49, but it's worked out well um, with Griffin going down and, and Kendall going into 57. That's worked out really Luck, well. Lucked into that one. But Kendall had a great spring, placing at both the U20 and U20. I uh, placed top five at, at uh, university, you know, internationals in freestyle, with some very strong wins over good quality competition. So I think he's he's going to be a handful at 157. Emil Sundlin has actually been getting a lot of love, even in the rankings. I think is he 23 or 24? Flo, Flo pegged him 23 at 165. You know, he he had a, a very solid 24. Pardon me. Very solid spring as well. Um, was a round away from placing at Midlands. He's coming off red shirt. So so we've got another young man at 165 who looks to do a, a really good job. Um, where we think 65 is going to be a strong weight for us. The other young man that I'll mention, though, um, Thomas Panola, um, placed at Midlands last year at, at uh, 184. Now he's looking to be at 197, um, and he's, he's, he's looking very good. So I'll give Thomas some love. He's, he's as hard a worker as you'll find on our team. He, he does everything right, and he's, he's got that gritty, tough mentality that uh, he's, he's going to be a handful too. So I know um, we have Christian Bruner in that weight but uh, i'm just telling you don't sleep on thomas panola and the work that he's doing i think those three young men and and listen our lineup is not decided 
you know, so our guys who are listening out there, that it's in their hands. You know, we've got other good kids, but I will give those three um, a special mention because, like I said, Thomas placed at Midlands, and those other two, whether, you know, Amel, he appeared in a ranking, and then, you know, what Kendall's done in some of these uh, freestyle. freestyle tournaments. Very strong. They've, they've kind of put their names out there maybe sooner than some of our other guys. I know last year when, when Christian was getting ready for World Games, uh, the World Team Championships, he couldn't praise Thomas Pinola enough and, and how much he was working with him individually on freestyle, getting getting ready to go compete uh, overseas. Fun yeah. Pinola note from yesterday. So we had the you know we did some of the photo uh, photo and video stuff with marketing yesterday uh, with some of the guys and Pinola's in there and and uh, the Bailey, Bailey and Larissa our mm-hmm. uh, our marketing graphic design people. They were sitting there. They couldn't stop looking at his thighs and like his <laughs> the muscles in his legs. Like the kid is built like a tank. Just call him keg legs. Yeah, <laughs> just call him keg legs. <laughs> I mean, and, I, and obviously, you know, I'm not staring at a guy's legs because that's just not me. But the, as soon as they pointed it out, I mean, the kid is absolutely shredded. He is built like a brick something. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull a Jim Gibbons like Tony did. Thank you. But, Appreciate that. <laughs> But I mean, the kid—he, the kid's ready for war, man. He's—he's uh, he's the real deal. And Emil at the 165 spot. Corey and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't know if I've ever heard a more wrestler's name than Emil Sumlin. Like yep. he just—I hear—I hear that name, and it just—if no, I hadn't looked at him, if I didn't know a thing about him, you told me, tell me something about Emil Sumlin, and I would tell you he's probably a wrestler. Yeah. He is, uh, like I said, he's he's done a great job. Um, Good kid. You know, uh, he's you know the, the, those kids will let their wrestling do their talking for sure. But I'm very excited for them and watch their growth and development this year. I think they they have a chance to do some great things. Well, we'll talk about some more guys on the roster as the season progresses, and we'll talk about them a little bit on Saturday too, as well as. Uh, Fans at home may already know. I'll let Tanner discuss some more of the details about it. Uh, but the Boilermakers will be practicing on the plaza this Saturday before the homecoming football game versus Maryland this weekend. Tanner, he's got some more uh, details on it. Plan is Saturday, 9 a.m., up on the north plaza of Ross Age Stadium. Uh, we're taking it outside the stadium for the first year. We've, we've had the practice on the patio in the past down on the south end zone. Um, with some of the new policies as far as needing a ticket and, and uh, no re-entry. Uh, Coach and I talked it through and we found another location. So we're going to move it up by the tailgates in the north end zone. Um, you know, weather, weather permitting should be, should be pretty awesome. We'll get going at 9 a.m. Uh, we'll go for about an hour um, and we're hoping to attract, you know, with all, the, with all the stuff going on up there, you know, we got the band coming through at, at like 9.30. Uh, the football team arrives at like 9.45, so there'll be a lot of commotion going on around us, but we just hope that brings more attention and, and hopes that gives people some reasons to see what's going on and, and wander over and see what's up. But uh, it'll be exciting. Hunter and I will be on there live. Coach will join us. Uh, we'll throw that on, on Facebook and, and maybe do some of the replays on Twitter and Instagram and you know wherever else we can push it. We don't know. We'll, we'll get it out there. YouTube. Yeah. What, what, what else we got, Corey? We got we got some uh, stuff. I don't think we're throwing it on TikTok. We got MySpace. <laughs> Probably not going to do TikTok. We got on MySpace we, too. We MySpace. And okay. Snapchat. MySpace is still a thing, huh? No, it's not. That's, that's, that's <laughs> why it's funny. Say. No, MySpace is gone, Coach. Thanks for the update. You're gonna go log in and check his MySpace page when we're done here, guys. <laughs> I probably still have one of those somewhere. For the third time. (laughs) Guys, I got new followers on MySpace. (laughs) No, you don't. 
So, <laughs> Tanner alluded to it a little bit. Practice on the plaza with weather permitting. Yes. It is supposed to be cold Saturday morning. Yep. Now, I know that there's there's probably a threshold that you're looking at if it, if it gets below a certain point, but regardless, even if weather does permit, it's still going to be cold outside, especially compared to where they're used to practicing yep. up in the wrestling room, which is kind of tucked away. It's hot. It's humid. There's no windows. No yep. one's watching them. How does that make a difference for your practice that day? It's going out in, a, in an hour outside in yep. front of people. Like, like Tanner said, all the commotion that's going on. How do you keep guys focused on the mat and... You know, they want to go out there. It's their first chance for people to see them, especially as, as freshmen or redshirt freshmen. I mean, as far as staying focused, right, part of it going out into a different environment is so that they practice that, right? It's, it's getting your routine, you know, of getting warmed up, getting focused, dialed in, you know, where your energy should be spent, not not paying attention to around you, right? As I said before, on match day, you got to put 100%, you know, when you put it in your front of the line, to the guy in front of you. You can't be paying attention to the people in the stands or around or the noise going on. So it's just another opportunity to um, you know, practice that. Keep your focus where it needs to be. And now from a, a standpoint of you know, the, the kind of practice plan we'll have, it won't be as high impact in the sense of doing a lot of live wrestling. You know, it, it is, it's gonna be cold. Uh, we're gonna try to keep them in situations where it's just a lot of technical you know, drilling kind of things, which is not as high impact, okay? It's gonna be a high pace, high tempo, so certainly there's gonna be, you know, uh, some, some good action to it for the fans and, and a good workout for the guys, but it, there won't be as much live wrestling because we do anticipate it to be cold. Uh, I will mention though, if it's too cold, and for me, that's around 50 degrees. If it's above 50, uh, we'll keep it outside. If it gets too cold, where it's you know, almost freezing outside, we'll go into Holloway. So for any fans that are, are thinking about coming out, uh, pop into Holloway for an hour. You know, it'll still be that nine to 10 time frame. So come in, you know, uh, watch the wrestlers and then go back outside, hit your tailgate for another couple hours and then come in for the game. And you see a lot of, you know, other sports do it where they, you know, maybe football or basketball, they pipe in crowd noise in to, mm -hmm. to get used to it. And it's, it seems counterintuitive, but the whole, the idea from your perspective of it is not only for fans to be able to come by and see the team, but for the team to go out there and practice and then ignore it. You're, you're sending the team out there to, to practice in front of people, and while it's good for the fans and it's good for people to come see, you're kind of preparing the team to be in front of a crowd and completely ignore what's going on around you to stay focused and Sure. Up. I mean, don't, don't make any mistake. Uh, I want them to enjoy it, right? Like, that's part of it. You, you've got to enjoy it. We work so hard. I want them to enjoy competing. I want yeah. them to enjoy performing. So I want them to enjoy it. But certainly from a, a focus aspect, you want to be dialed in and have your attention on the guy across from you because that's your job for the next hour. Now, when you get done, hey, man, shake hands, kiss babies, you know, um, talk to people, you know, get get out there, right? Expose fans to you and, and the team and what we're doing, and that's part of it. But but yeah, it's just another opportunity to really dial in and, and perfect where my focus, my intensity should be in this hour. It'll be really cool. We got you know we got we've already got some special guests, you know, people that are they're gonna come in. You know, Tony said, uh, you know, Mike Houts, Bill Andrew are gonna come by. They'll be in town. Yep. Uh, Jeff Tolbert, Jason Hayes, Jim Lavelle. A um, bunch of form, former Boilermakers we're excited to have back, so uh, it's always good when the, when the old guard comes back to check in on the new team and, and get to be around them and uh, tell them about you know, what Purdue Wrestling's been about for 
you know, not just the last few years, but for the last, you know, several years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, obviously, part of this is, is just building upon the tradition and the men that have come before, you know, and that, and we want our guys to recognize that. And so we're always, we're always happy when, when alums can come by. And, and hopefully we've got a lot more. Those are just the ones that I know have reached out this week. So we're, we're really looking forward to having those guys back. But, hey, come join us. We want our guys to know uh, the history of Purdue Wrestling and, and, and how we've got to this point here. It's, been, it's taken a lot of work from a lot of people. And uh, we want them to know those guys and vice versa. We want uh, the, the alums to know our team and, and who they are and, and what they're doing. Well, and it's even cooler like to see what some of these guys have gone on to do in their lives and, and you know some of them continue to give back in the sport and coaching and you know others have gone on to amazing careers in, in other things you know lawyers businessmen doctors god knows what else i mean probably an engineer or two out there one or two one or two <laughs> i'm gonna go out on a limb and say one or two engineers yeah for sure well that'll be your first opportunity to see the boilermakers competing against one another and practicing on saturday uh, again, up on the North Plaza, uh, the north side of the of Rossi at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. So be sure to come out and see the Boilermakers. Then go up to Michigan State on November 2nd, which yep. we'll talk about as that gets closer. Uh, practice starting today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's the official October 10. We have weightlifting um, this afternoon, which is the last uh, preseason lift. But tomorrow, October 10, is the first date for any any program to be on the mats, you know, for the regular season. Okay. So Thursday, Boilermakers will start official practice. Uh, you've got the November 2nd Michigan State Open coming up. We'll get into the more details on those things and, and the guys that will be competing once that comes around. Uh for those listening at home, if you have any suggestions, any ideas of things that you'd like to hear Coach talk about, that you'd like to hear Tanner talk about, or maybe a guest that we could have coming on at some point, uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into talking about the new new faces on the coaching staff, uh, new faces on the, on the team and the support staff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, be sure to, you can leave a comment on what you'd like to see, and also you can tweet at Purdue Wrestling. Or you can go... Post it on Tony's MySpace page. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Tony's yeah. MySpace page. We we'll take all suggestions on Tony's it MySpace may page. Maybe the only active MySpace page left, but he's yep. still taking comments there. Uh, so if you've got any questions for him, tweet at Purdue Wrestling. Leave a comment on on Instagram. Uh, we'll also get into some some different topics. Idea of podcast is to be a little more conversational and tangential, which I did use that word. Tangential, there it is. And we know uh, what that and then we know what that means now. Yeah, you know now you know what it means. Uh, to get into a little, some, a few more things, uh, like Tanner alluded to, some guys that have gone on to do some things like competing in the MMA and how wrestling impacts mixed martial arts and how Purdue has affected mixed martial arts and that that relationship between the two, uh, between high school and collegiate wrestling. For head coach Tony Ursland, Tanner, Corey, myself, Hunter Massengill, thank you all for joining us and as always, boiler up.